Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That cold case you're listening to? Nasty stuff. But you know what else is a crime? Missing even a moment of whatever you're doing to go on a drink run. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered in under 60 minutes. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com home dash trial. Career Musician Podcast with creator and host, Nomad. With 20 plus years of experience in the music industry, Nomad has done just about everything to earn a living as a career musician. From being music director to celebrity artists, playing iconic arenas and stadiums, composing for film and TV, and even playing your average local club gigs, he's done it all. Nomad's mission is to empower musicians across the globe with strategies for a sustainable career while blasting stereotypes and to bring you tried and true wisdom from his colleagues in this crazy business we call music. On this episode of the Career Musician Podcast, I am pleased to bring you the queen of jazz funk herself, Miss Mesa Leek. She is an amazing, talented singer, songwriter, Grammy-nominated, and Soul Train award-winning artist. Starting off singing with Stevie Wonder, then becoming the lead singer for Incognito, the British funk band, and then becoming her own artist. Now Mesa is also a record label owner. That's right. She owns her own label and she is quite the entrepreneur, artist, musician, singer, an amazingly beautiful human being. Check out this episode right here with none other than Mesa Leek. I'm here with Mesa Leek, a.k.a. Mesa. Welcome to the Career Musician Podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much, honey. This is an honor. Oh, no, no. Reverse. It's my honor. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you first, like, and, 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 you know, this is no BS. This is legit. I have been a fan of yours for such a long time. So <laughs> thank you, honey. it's always cool when you're a fan of somebody and then you get to work with them. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so cool. Which is the case here. Yeah. Like I was saying to you a minute ago, you know, our so our audience knows we've worked together several times but have never physically met. <laughs> I know. And that is so crazy. 
Well, that's yeah. the way it's all worked. It's been that way for, for quite a while now. Um, you know, the way things are done, you know, through all the kind of um, the technology that's been going on for such a long time. Right. Um, we're able to record and write over the phone or over the airways or whatever, you know, way we can do it now. So it's, it's pretty cool, but it's always nice to like work together in a room together, you know what I mean? And trade spirits that way. Yes, indeed, indeed. So true. All right. So you have such a, a wonderful uh, musical history uh, and, and diverse, you know, diversity. To be honest with you, the first way I got turned on to you was one of my favorite bands, Incognito. All right. Right. Yes. Tribes, Vibes and Scribes. Yeah. Oh, wow. You went way back. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, you guys just killed that album. Your, your voice to me... Now, and this is not to be offensive, but just my opinion, your voice is and always has been the voice of Incognito. You know? Oh, thank you, honey. When I think of them, you know what I mean? I think of you. That's good. That's a good thing. Yeah, and now, of course, you've gone on to do your own solo career, which is even more amazing because then it is just all you. And that's just a beautiful thing. Oh, and, thank uh, you, honey. Yeah, I was scrolling. You know, twenty nine. Uh, uh, 25 years this uh, Saturday is my 25th anniversary of when the first solo album came out, uh, the title Mason, 1995, August 29th, 1995. So wow. it's really, really cool. And it's because of COVID, I can't do a big celebration like I wanted to. I want to do a big concert with everybody coming in and all that kind of stuff, but it, it got canceled. So, oh man, Tw 25 years then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is so awesome. Okay. So, and then I was scrolling through some of the archives online and you and I wrote the song Grateful together. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, in that's one of my most popular songs too. Really? Oh yes. Highly requested on my kitchen karaoke on Sunday nights. Okay. Oh, this is perfect. Cause I want to talk about that too. So, uh, uh, yeah, in 2008, we wrote that together. Wow. Oh, and that's something. Yeah. Isn't that crazy how time flies? I know. <laughs> And it was you, me, myself, and Rex. And I got to give a shout out to Rex Rideout. Producer. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So he, Hope he, you got some more. I need some more. Uh, no, man. I need a lot more songs. So. Well, I was going yeah, to say, let's write some. Let's totally write some. Because I just love your silky voice. It's amazing. You know. Thank you, honey. <laughs> so. All right, all right, enough of that. I'm so sorry, uh, but you know, like I said, I'm a big fan, so I fanboyed out. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, let's start there. That's a great place to start, your uh, Karaoke Kitchen Sundays. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. On a Sunday, I started it in March uh, 2016. Uh, 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 Walter Beasley actually told me about Facebook Live, and he was telling me, he's like my mentor in this business. He's always telling me things, different things to catch on to. And, uh, and he said, Mesa, this Facebook Live thing is really catching on, so you should do one. And I was like, ah, you know, I don't know how to do this. And when I look at the first one, I cringe. Like, yeah. I was all up in the camera, like, hi, like, oh, you know, it was crazy. Right, and right, so, right. Um, so I, you know, I did it because I, was, I had a new website, and I was trying to introduce my new website. And um, I, I just said, I'm going to go live and do a song. And I did a few songs, and then all of a sudden, um, everybody said, are you going to do this again every week? And I'm like, every week? Hmm. I was like, okay. So every Sunday night, 7.30 p.m., I, uh, you know, in honor of the time I started this whole thing, uh, I, I decided to do it. And so I've been doing this for a long time, so four years now, four and a half years, and it's been so beautiful because people are coming in so strong. Like this week, I think we're at uh, almost at 70, with 70-some thousand views, I think, for this last week. Mace, that's incredible. <laughs> it's so cool. I mean, and I, by, you know, by internet terms, that's probably nothing to some people, but to me, it's like huge. No, you, no, that is something huge because remember, our demographic is, is kind of a niche market, right? Yeah, yeah, so, right. So that's huge. For, for a niche market, that's huge. But like you said, you have your 25-year track record as a solo artist. 30 years with Incognito. I started 30 years with Stevie uh, singing background on the Jungle Fever album. You, you just hit... You hit everything. That's so perfect because I got all these notes down. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. So finishing up karaoke Sunday, seven thirty Eastern time. Uh huh. Right, and you can catch it on Facebook. Do you do you populate that over to YouTube as well, or is it just Facebook? Um, I'm starting to like upload something to YouTube. I'm I got to do the YouTube live, so I have to get more people to uh, join my Blue Velvet Soul Records uh, page, so that when I get to a thousand people, I can do stuff live from there too. So. 
Uh, as soon as I get to a thousand subscribers, I'm going to um, do a YouTube live at the same time as uh, as Facebook live. Okay, so your YouTube page is Blue Velvet Soul Live. Uh, Blue Velvet Soul Records. Yeah. Okay, got it. Perfect. So that's noted. Um, all right. So here's the cool thing about what you did, and um, and I love the fact that you mentioned Walter Veasley as your mentor. Um, you were doing this in 2016, before way before the pandemic. Uh -huh. And right. obviously now since March, everybody's jumping on this this bandwagon, so to speak. Um, but I want to point that out. As a career musician, you took initiative. You did something that you weren't really maybe familiar with, maybe a little uncomfortable at first. Right. And you just owned it. So that's huge. Oh, thank you, honey. Yeah, yeah. I tried to. Uh, yeah, I embraced it because it was just in a lot of my peers was saying, oh, you know, this is, you're ruining your career by doing that. That's not a good idea. And I'm like, no, actually my shows are sold out now because of karaoke. Like, you know, it's a big deal because people, once they, they really want to see it. So they want to, like a lot of people want to come to my house and be in the kitchen with me. And I can't <laughs> right. do that, but I, right. you know, I can see you at the shows and stuff. And um, I even had plans for that. I have plans to like take this on the road kind of thing uh, so that people can or have or get a place where people can come to so that they can be in my kitchen in a sense too so right. you know it's just like uh i'm really working on all those ideas but the but it's so beautiful that people want to come because you know they, they see my fam family and friends come over i have guest artists sometimes come over and i cook for them and you know we have a lot of big oh. dinners and all that kind of stuff and then we sing and have a good time it's like it's an old school kind of party you know Man, that is so cool. And it's I checked out a couple of them online. It's pretty long. How how long do you typically oh, go yeah, for? Oh, yeah, man. You know, the first ones were, were half an hour. Now they're like two hours, two and a half. Yeah. You know what? At some point, when I'm on the East Coast, I got to come to one. Yes, please do. Because, uh, you know, I love cooking. Oh, that's awesome. You can be I, my special. I'm telling you, I love Every time, my special guest always cooks like spinach or something. So I, I want you to come. Like people who are... Yeah, I would love to have somebody really know how to cook to come in. Um, I yeah. even spoke with Jonathan Butler. Jonathan Butler and I are supposed to do a, a, do a, a challenge online. Uh, I love that. Uh, I yeah, love Jonathan, like, Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, so we're going to do some stuff soon. I think, but that, I would love if you come to cook. That, that would be so fun. Oh, my gosh. So, we can play our songs and all that. Yeah. My father's from Cuba. So that's one of my specialties is Cuban food. Oh, wow. That was <laughs> I got to cook some nice Cuban food for you. Yeah. But yes, that would be yeah. hot. <laughs> you know, hopefully we'll turn this into some kind of television show. Like I'm just trying to keep pushing it, uh, keep praying that, and try to get the right connections to make this thing a little bit bigger than it is, you know? There you go. There you go. You Speaking it, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. That's amazing. Uh, okay, wow. That's that's such a cool, such a cool uh, branding thing that you have going on. All right. So, yes, I, all, the, all the more power to that. Um, let's zoom back real quick to a little bit about your history. You you kind of, you gave it away. You mentioned Stevie Wonder, so you started as a background singer with Stevie after college, right? Yeah, sure did. When I graduated, well, I had one year left at Morgan State University. Okay. He came to sing with the choir for Martin Luther King's celebration that we did every year. So every year he would come do this Martin Luther King uh, celebration, birthday celebration, and so. Um, when he was there, my best friend had already started working for him like a, probably a year or two before. And he was looking for an alto voice. So she asked him, because she wanted me to move to California too. So she asked him, could I um, audition? And I passed my audition, which was, whoo, that audition was something else. So I was like, I'll never, like, I'm, I'm getting ready to graduate from college. But I feel like I'm getting started all over again. But it was like, oh my really? God, what kind of a, yeah, I mean, he was playing, you know, the frigid scales, mixolydian scale. Like, he was just doing all kinds of stuff. And I had to counter, do counterpoint. It was like, what in the world? Wow. And, you know, but it's stuff I was learning in school, but it was just hard. It was harder. Because, you know, it was just hard. And it, I was nervous. And the Stevie Wonder. And you like, you like, you don't know. I mean, the man's ear is incredible. Like, you know, you don't want to make any mistakes and all that kind of stuff. So right. uh, after I passed the audition, I asked him if I could finish this one last year this last year of school and uh, give my parents my degree so that I can feel good about going to California and just starting my life. And uh, he thought it was a cool idea. So a year later, I, I literally called him like as soon as I was graduating. <laughs> and I was like, Steve, can I please, can, do you have any work for me now? Cause I'm finished school. And uh, he said, yeah, I'm working on the Spike Lee uh, Jungle Fever project. And so that's what I did. The first, the, my first gig. 
it's just an absolutely amazing time. Um, you know, of course, the music was is, is always timeless and fantastic. And so it was an honor to like start start out my career like that. It was crazy. That's awesome. Now, was that around the same time as things were brew- brewing over with uh, uh, Incognito over in London? Or So um, to make a long story short, um, when I was out there in California, Stevie uh, had got, has prepared for a Brazilian tour and he used the older, of course, the, you know, more older experienced uh, people who have been with him for a while, I should say. Right. And uh, not older, but you know, in a sense of age, but older that they've been there for a minute. And he used them to go on the Brazilian tour and I wasn't invited and I was so hurt, but I had, I just, I had to get some work. So I worked, uh, I worked at the, the warehouse music store in LA, <laughs> in North Hollywood. I worked wow. at the May company. I, I taught voice. I managed a girl group. I did everything I could just to survive. And that was not that long. Cause I get, I guess when I stopped working with him, it was probably September. And then, and, and I worked and I was doing some, um, Bridget Bryant, uh, singer Bridget Bryant. She called me one day and said, um, her friend, Steve Harvey, a drummer from Scotland needed, um, uh, a, a jazz singer for this track. She thought I would fit really well with it. So, I uh, went and met Steve Harvey, and then I worked with him for a while. He called me one day. He said, Mesa, um, my best friend in London is looking for a new American singer for his band. Are you interested? And I was like, yeah. I mean, I, I never heard of Incognito, so I didn't know what it was. <laughs> so I went to the music store one day, and I looked up Incognito, and I, Jocelyn Brown, I saw Always There. And I was like, oh, well, this, I like this. So this is Bob. This is who they are. I didn't know who they were, but I just thought, you know, moving to London, that's crazy. I would love to do that, you know? Yeah. So... I had to listen to their music and stuff and uh, realizing who they were and stuff, I was really excited. Uh, and then one day, Bluey called me uh, uh, on the phone. I was working at the make company and I, I came home sick uh, early because I was, uh, what the feeling was. So uh, he called me and he said, you know, I've been trying to call you and I want to know if you are ready to come to London for your audition. And I was like, yeah. He said, so we just talked, we were just talking and having a conversation about music and I told him I love jazz funk and I didn't know they were a jazz funk band. <laughs> so, he was happy about that. And then uh, we had a long discussion about music. He asked me to sing, Don't You Worry About a Thing. And he said, well, can you sing it again and change the key and sing it again? And I did. And he said, cool, my manager will call you next week and we'll schedule you. But the next morning, uh, this was Saturday morning, I woke up to a phone call and the, and the guy said, uh, Stephen King, his name was, uh, he said, Mesa, uh, I don't know what you sang the Bluey last night, but he's losing it. He, you got the gig, so we're going to bring you over in, in, in the next week or two. And I was like, what? Next week or two? Like, I had a whole apartment in L.A. I had to you know, clear out, and, but I, I went for it. I, just, I, I got a round-trip ticket, and I just went to London. Wow. Okay, so tell us, tell us about that. So, so you got rid of your apartment? Yeah, I got rid of my apartment within a week and a half. I, I packed everything up, and I sent a UPS home to Baltimore to my parents and uh and I I just I left but I still had when I got so the craziness is that I got to to LAX and I had like four suitcases full of stuff with it. I couldn't I didn't know how to pack you know, I didn't know where I was going or where I was gonna live I didn't know anything so I just packed a whole bunch of stuff like I packed food I didn't know what was going on <laughs> <laughs> sounds like my first trip I, I get it yeah 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 <laughs> so because I didn't know what I was gonna eat over there I didn't want to be hungry I was like oh my gosh Right. And I didn't have any money because I spent all my money packing up. Um, and then I got to the airport. I had $203. And they charged me $200 for the extra baggage. So when I got to London uh, and I got to customs, and they started asking me this a million questions. And one of the questions was, do you have any money? And I was like, um, I don't have any money right now. I, mean, I was a kid, 24 years old. Yeah, yeah. And I, I said, I don't have any money right now. But a man named Bluey said they're going to give me some when I get here. And they were like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's all. That sounds like a movie. <laughs> it was a movie. It was insane. But I, you know, I'm, I'm writing my little memoirs. About it, and I, yeah. I laugh at myself every time I, I write the story, I think about it. Because I was such a, you know, just green. that didn't know. I right. was like, oh. I just, I, my life is about to change. I'm like living the dream. So here's my dream, great come true. So I'm going to move to London and all that kind of stuff. And um, the customs people were like, uh, nah. So they took me down to this room and they uh, checked all of my luggage. And I guess they figured I was doing some drug thing. I don't know what they thought. But they, uh, I mean, I, you know, and they saw, since they saw from from Baltimore, I guess they figured they, they, the wire was popular back at that time. So, you know, I didn't know what was going on. So it was just weird. Right. So, um, they wanted to do a cavity search. 
And when when they were about to the late, I mean, wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold the phone. Did you just say what I think you said? Yes. They wanted to do a cavity search. Yes, that's how dramatic this whole thing. Like is. on your person, your physical oh, my body, body. They want my cavity. Yes. So they had a female officer come in. A big, a big, gigantic German lady. She was huge, like a, a seven feet tall. And she came in and she was- Okay, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I know. That's what I'm trying to tell you, man. So I was nervous. I was crying. I was trying to want to talk to my mother and father. I was like, please call my mother and father. Like, I don't want to do this. And like, I, it was crazy. And I couldn't, all I knew was his name was Bluey. I didn't know his name was Jean-Paul Monique. I didn't know anything about like him. So I just said Bluey. And it was like, well, that's not a real name. We need his full name. And I was like, I don't know who he is. So I was taking so long. It was hours. So I was taking so long to come out of the airport that Bluey came in and he, they, they looked for me. They knew I'd landed, they knew I was there. So they called the, uh, they called the people and they brought them in. And when she put her glove on, right? And she was trying to get me to- <laughs> She put her glove on? Did she do like the little snap? Like she puts it on and goes- She did a snap thing, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. I'm not lying, she did the snap. She did like, whoop, like this thing, like, oh. like snapped it on. And I lost it. I was like, no. I was hollering and crying. And, like, and then the, somebody opened the door and said, oh, we found Bluey. Just in time. <laughs> and, and I just fell to the floor. I was just slinked. You know, I just slinked down like on the movies. <laughs> yeah. I was done. I was done. Like my whole body was just like done. Because I, I was so tense and scared. And like, I'm not taking my clothes off. But they're going to take me to jail. They're going to take me, send me back to the, America. They were like, you know, you're not, you're not coming into our country. You don't have any money. You don't know who you're coming to see. We don't know anything about you. And I had nothing in my luggage, of course, nothing but food and stuff and, and clothes. A bunch of clothes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, but they, but you know, they got, they got it together. <laughs> that's a great story. You, that's a, you have to put that in your memoirs at some point, man. I mean, come on. I am. All right, that, that's just amazing. Okay, this is a perfect segue. One of the questions that I like to ask my guests is, uh, especially those of us who've had uh, experience with touring, you know, what are some of the tour essentials that you've come to, you know, you're like, hey, when I go on tour, I need to do X, Y, Z. You know, whether it's packing techniques, whether it's little pieces of gear or peripheral items that you need, yeah, how do you prepare for that? Well, I, I enjoy packing, so I, I get okay. everything more. I, I overpack. I'm an overpacker. And yeah. I get, you know, everything I need for any emergencies. If I can't get back home or something like that, I kind of pack for that. But um, the only thing I do that every, like my little ritual I do, every time I take up, I have this little bag of, um, it's like some, it's a, I call it a spiritual travel bag. It's like my guardian angel bag. So if I, I literally have come back home. I've missed a flight. To come back home and get that bag, I really have because it's really important for me to when I get on planes and all that kind of stuff and travel a lot. That I have this bag with me, and it's it's a it's like little angels and it's like some cards with you know Jesus loves me and and you are protected and all these things are in it yeah. and all these little dolls that have like you know some kind of meaning and all that. So that's my that's been all over the world. It's literally been all over the world with me, and so that bag is really important. So I make sure I take that with me. Um, and when I travel, I mean I'm really cool with stuff. I don't. You know, I, I'm not a person, like, I don't ask for special things on, you know, stage and stuff, like, on the dressing room or none of that stuff. I'm not, yeah. I'm, like, the general's basic stuff is cool. I just want to get, I just want to sing to people. I want to go to work. And, uh, you know, I miss it so badly. It's like, I, I just, know. I want to hug people. I want to talk to people. I want to, you know, interact on stage. I want I want to hear the laughter. I want to hear the, you know, clapping. I want to hear all, like, all these things I want to hear. I want to make people happy. And I want those, uh. I mean, it may be a little selfish too. I mean, I mean, I, of course, I know we can't right now. And I know that the world is in a little crazy place, but um, I'm just looking forward to that day. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree. I couldn't agree more. But again, the cool thing is you're doing this karaoke Sunday, which keeps you connected with your fans. Oh yeah, absolutely. So that's so important. It's so dope that you're doing. It that. really is. It really is important right now. And um. Yeah, you know it's been amazing, and because everybody's locked up, we're all going stir crazy. <laughs> so you're you're giving the the listeners a great outlet, you know. Yeah, it's, it's and I'm really gonna cool. do more. I'm gonna do more because I just did a a jazz festival. Sorry, but that's my ring. Oh, I just did a jazz festival, um, a virtual jazz festival where the the, uh, the what do you call it the 
parks and recreational at, in DC. Oh, yeah. They um they had usually have a festival every year, but what they did is they decided to have it virtually. So they came. We had a big stage called the um, Echo Stage in DC, and they so all the artists come in, bring your band, everybody social distancing. You know, they had yeah. a skeleton crew. Uh, it was really fantastic. All the lighting, and so we had so much fun. We actually did our show. We were together again after five months, and we did our show. And uh, it kind of we thought we were going to miss the audience, but we were having so much fun. It's kind of like it was almost like the audience there. It didn't. You know, it's so weird. We didn't. Uh, have a hard time with that part but we of course we want an audience but it was just so it was fun it was a little fun that's so awesome so we and here's the crazy part we've worked together in the studio a bunch not physically what like you said via correspondence i was working with rex in the studios here in la or you and you were singing wherever you were and then we've actually done gigs together uh-huh we've been on the same bill in other words right right because you know i was with babyface for 12 years Really? Wow. I remember seeing a couple times. Yeah, I was his guitar player and then his MD for like the past 10 years. Oh, it was crazy. Wow. So I remember seeing your name a couple times and I was always like, how do I see Mesa? But it never worked out. Like you were always the day before us okay, or the yeah. day after us. You know what I'm saying? We, we always literally would just cross in the night, you know, like just miss each other. But that big, um, that big park... The Pavilion in D.C., what's that called? Where everybody plays? Uh, Meriwether Post Pavilion. Meriwether Post Pavilion, yes. Oh, yeah. You know how many times I've played there? And then I always think of you, because I know you've played there a bunch of times, too. Yeah, yeah I live not too far from there, yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's so awesome. Okay, so, wow. So, this Jazz Fest Online, was that the one that happens at Meriwether, or was it a different one? No, that's a, this is in D.C. At, on the stage. It's an echo stage. Oh. It's usually, I'm not sure where it is. I think it's DuPont. It's called a DuPont. Okay. Uh, DuPont's Jazz Festival, I think it's called. Gotcha. And um, yeah, so I, I'm going to start posting about this soon. But it, yeah, it's because it's okay. coming out September 5th. And everybody did their own show. There was only one band. I think everybody, um, there's probably two bands a day they recorded. Uh, and so no, you know, your band comes in at a certain time, then you leave at a certain time, then the next band comes in. It, right. it was They were really, really strict about and, you know the, the whole guidelines so that nobody would get you know sick. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's awesome. That's awesome. So talk about your band. Who ha who's who been in your band over the past few years? My band, uh, I started out with the uh, guys from the group Spur of the Moment. <clears throat> oh, I started out with a group called Granger, Granger Brothers, Gary and uh, and Greg Granger. I know those cats. When oh. I first started out, yeah. And then I moved on to with uh, uh, Wayne Bruce and Spur of the Moment. And then uh, I had some old friends from Philadelphia, Charles Baldwin. Uh, Richard Tucker and uh, Tim Hudson, who I used to play with when I sang with a singer named Liz Hogue uh, back in the day. She had a song called Dream Lover out a long time ago, like back in the late 80s. And nice. so that's how we met back then. So then fast forward to like, I don't know, 10 years, 10, 11 years ago, maybe more. Um, I was doing a gig and I needed them as an emergency. I had a gig in Philly and I had to get use them as an uh, emergency band and, and they've just been my band ever since. So my whole crew, they're basically from Philly, a mixture of Philly and a little bit of DC, but okay. uh, mostly Philly. Mm -hmm. Nice. What's the instrumentation? Uh, bass, drums, uh, two key, some of them have two keys, uh, percussion, uh, guitar, is uh, Richard Tucker on guitar. Nice. And uh, who else? Uh, of course, two vocals, two or three vocals. I would say you do BGVs, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, so you're looking at like seven to eight to nine people, including yourself. Oh, we have ten of us on the road. I've got tour manager, tech manager. Nice. Yeah, so we've been rolling like that for a long time. But sometimes I cut it down to you know as many as I can, uh, nine at the most. Sometimes, sometimes I don't take my tech manager if they have that available. Sometimes, but I kind of like taking them on the way. But so I, you know, I've been paying for ten people to be on the road. It's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> it does get expensive. I know. Wow, but that's awesome that you've been able to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. my love. I mean, I came from incognito. Like, I don't have any choice. That sound is, uh, and everything live is very important to me. I know a lot of my friends yeah. use uh, technology of, you know, using tracks and all that stuff. And I, one of my friends, they, he was adamant. You know, you better, you got to do that. It's better for your sound. It's easier, less people to pay. And uh, and then I went to the show, and one of his, uh, one the computer. Whatever they were using, they were in the middle of a song and it skipped to a whole new song. <laughs> Man, I was like, heck no. Uh, Not me, baby. I can't handle that. No, no, no. Yeah, that's nuts. Mine has to be totally live. 
Hi, this is Mesa, and you're listening to The Career Musician with my friend, Nomad. Binge previous seasons of The Career Musician podcast and subscribe for all new episodes. Follow The Career Musician at Facebook, Instagram, and sign up for The Career Musician newsletter at thecareermusician.com. The goal of The Career Musician podcast is to provide valuable insight aimed at supporting working musicians. Please show your support by listening, downloading, subscribing, sharing, liking, and leaving a review. You're listening to The Career Musician Podcast by Nomad. So I'm so glad that you talked about that because first of all, you're employing musicians and tech people and crew, you know? So that's like, number one, hello, that's a great thing, you know? Right. Um, But... I do know it's a sacrifice too. Like you said, it can be costly, Uh but you're keeping the real music alive, right? I mean, machines replace, you know, if we, if we get rid of the musicians, what, that doesn't even, that doesn't even make sense, right? Because (laughs) what is music? Music is souls interacting, period. And if you you don't have that, you cannot create. I mean, you can create, of course you can create with, with the, the computer and all that kind of stuff. But it will never feel the same as when you have actual live musicians playing. And, and you know, what they, people don't understand that there's a direct connection with God and universe with this, with this thing. With, with, it, with a lot of things, but I'm just talking about music. With music, is a connection to the universe. It's, it makes you, yes. it's like having a, something stuck in you and going straight to them like a line. You know what I'm saying? And so yeah. when you don't, when you cut that part out of it, it's it's really hard. I mean, I, from I'm old school. That's what I, I need. That I need the interaction with other human beings and with their spirituality to the universe to and God to to continue to make the music. You know. That's right. I, I think that's why you can make. You know. I don't know. I'm old. I guess I'm old now. No. 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 No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. That, don't even say that. First of all, uh, you sound <laughs> like me because I walk around saying that all the time. Oh, I'm old. I'm an old head. But <laughs> look. The, some of the best music ever created was from the eras that we grew up and the eras before when we grew up. Let's yep. talk, I mean, you know, from the early 1900s all the way through all these decades, mm-hmm. if we didn't have some of the musicians and bands that we had, I know. culture would have seriously, you know, uh, uh, suffered, you know? And, and I talk about it all the time. And the contribution that African-American musicians and songwriters made to what the American musical scheme is. If it, you know what I mean? Like, yes, it's 100 percent ingrained. It's like it has to, you know, it's I mean, black American music started all this stuff. It's like it's amazing how that's what I'm saying. People don't want to hear that. I mean, (laughs) no, but it's the truth. And if you go, if you go through and really dig deep into the historical archives of the music, it's there. Yeah. Sorry, pardon the pun, but it's there in black and white. It's right there. It's it's like you can't deny it. When you hear those Delta Blues players, okay. you know, and you hear the singers back then. Uh, uh, what's her name? Um, famous blues, one of the best blues uh, singers back in the day, way back. Bessie Smith, but there was another one too. I can't think right now. Wow. Yeah. All right. You just stumped me on that one. <laughs> yeah, see, I am old. Yeah. <laughs> no, but seriously, like, so all that blues stuff and then the gospel and the R&B and how it all morphed together. Mm-hmm. My point, Even country. It, exactly. Yeah. So my point being, yes, it's human beings interacting and the black culture was such a huge part of it. Without it, it wouldn't be the same. Mm-mm. Uh. And I agree with you, you know, you can make music with technology and it's cool, but it's a different genre altogether. Right. It's just right. It really is. It really is. And, and, you know, you know, like, I mean, like, you know, I I guess I was, I mentioned being older because, you know, I think, you know, we were coming up, this kind of stuff that we had, like the the sexual nature of of the music that we had. I mean, some of it, we got to Prince and all these people like that. It started to be, it may be Parliament, something like that. It started to be more, a little bit graphic. But today's stuff is just off the charts. Like, off the I, I mean, charts. like, we know, you know, I love Cardi B, you know. I, 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 I was just going to say But yeah, but I mean, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm, I like her. And, and so, but this, you know, I was a little disappointed. Not in a sense. I mean, the beat is nice and all that kind of stuff. I get it. Yeah. But, um, 
it's just like, I guess that, that's an audience for that. I guess there's an audience for that. So I had to just kind of respect that. And there's an audience for that. But it kind of hurts because, like, these kids don't have a chance to, to hear music. You know, let's, let's say have parents that really specifically play it for them. Yeah. Uh, and they yeah. grow up with it. That's the only chance they really get. But other than that, you know, they're not going to hear it on the radio. Not going to hear real music on the radio. Yeah. No. Now they're no. going to get it. And they don't have a chance to be kids because they're hearing all this stuff. You know, lady, I, I, I put it up there on Facebook the other day. The lady said to me, she said, oh, no, people are, you know, you shouldn't worry about that because people should, you know, not let their kids hear this kind of stuff like WAP and all that kind of stuff. But I'm like, do you know what world we live in right now? The kids get the stuff before grownups get it. Like, little kids know how to work phones and stuff. You know, like, they know how to get the information. I don't know what, what you know, they think this is, but it's just crazy. But I just think that, you know, like I said, that has its place, I guess. But um, that nothing beats musician uh, to musician uh, interaction. Interaction. Really yeah. And if you think about, like you said, some of our favorite bands, think about Earth, Wind & Fire. Imagine being in the studio <laughs> with Earth, Wind & Fire in the 70s. Imagine what that would have been like. You know what I mean? Like, and they didn't even know. I just think they were just people just making music. They didn't even know how how masterful and how amazing and how you know. I can't even think of the words. It's the it's the it's the it's the fine art of American music. It's the equivalent of the Mona Lisa at at the Louvre. It's the equivalent. Yeah. <laughs> Not since that era has that been right. So, uh, you know, at such a high pinnacle. Yeah, elevated. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. So, and that's again, that's why artists like yourself and everything that you're doing and all the bands that you've worked with, it's great that you're keeping that art form alive. Oh so, yeah, trying to be beautiful. Beautiful. So, look, talking about musicians, you know, oftentimes we're we're creative beings, and creative beings sometimes we could live on a seesaw, right? We go up and down with our emotions, right? <laughs> Lord knows, I know. But I like to talk about me too. I like to talk about um, business acumen, and that's the whole concept, like of the career musician teaching the young generation that this is a business. And I don't care what genre you're operating in. I don't care if you're doing trap music, if you're doing dance, you know, EDM type stuff, or if you're doing jazz, funk, soul, R&B. Doesn't matter. It's still a business. And there's some things you have to learn. And you said something earlier. You were like, yeah, I went to the airport. I was 24. I didn't know. You know, I remember I did the same thing. My first trip to Japan, get this. I packed two trunks, trunks, not suitcases, trunks full of stuff. I'm like, dumbass, you don't go on the airplane with trunks. <laughs> you know, and I was in my early 20s too. So talk a little bit about that, about learning and, and, and getting business savvy over the years. And, you know. Yeah, the learning curve. I, I kind of learned kind of quick on some things. Uh, you know, the first time I left Incognito to kind of, uh, it, it came in tandem, like the solo deal and, and me leaving Incognito came at the same time. But the reason why I was leaving Incognito is because um, I was having a beef kind of sort of discussion, disagreement with the management. Uh, they wanted me to do something like stay on. I had signed a contract and they didn't want to pay me for the contract because they weren't ready to do the next project or something like that. And I was like, we well, still have to pay me. So, so along the way from, from that little girl or young girls at the airport, uh, then a couple of years later, I learned a lot by listening, watching, reading, um, and, you know, knowing exactly, you know, what to do when I wanted to be a solo artist. And so I had, you know, people mentor me and, and tell me what to do, you know, what, what the good moves to make and all that kind of stuff. And I think for the most part in this industry, you know, back in the day, having a manager and a publicist and all these people on the payroll, that was the thing. And then, you know, you didn't make any money because there's so many people to pay out. You know, I learned early that, you know, from, from Oprah, funny uh that you sign your own checks like you don't let anybody sign your checks for you and you don't let anybody because i had people come to me and say well i want to be your manager and um when you get paid i'll give out i'll let them pay me and then i'll pay you i was like man who are you talking to <laughs> like for real i, I don't know who you <laughs> talking no. to but i'm not i'm not green no more i i got all this i'm like no you can't pay me no you don't get paid and then pay me that's never, right. never gonna happen so uh, I had to learn how about that, about business. Uh, I'm, you know, the tax thing, I'm still, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not so good on that. So mm -hmm. I just have to hire people to help me with that. Um, 
Well, I do. I do that. I hire an accountant all the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you do have to have a good accounts. So I mean, I would yep. put that forward to anybody. Anybody trying right now. I mean, uh, you, need, you need. I mean, the kids now. I mean, what is it? We know you don't need a record company anymore. Right. That's you don't have to have that. Uh, having your own record company and owning your own masters. All those things we learned from Prince and other musicians who put that out there. You know, it's really important. Uh, and I'm glad that I took that leap, even though it's difficult. And I'm having a hard time finding capital, uh, because of COVID, um, mm. to even fund, you know, the new record and all that kind of stuff. And I take every time I get some money, I, I put it on, you know, do this single or <laughs> kind of thing like that. Right. Um, and it's cool. But I think for the most part, you know, having the social media presence, which is, I think, the number one thing at this point. Uh, yes. And they making the great music, just trying to make great music and then trying to uh, get on social media and, and put it out there. Uh, then maybe hire somebody to help you. We still need radio people to help. Yep. Uh, get your stuff out there. So yep. there's a lot. It's a lot. The learning curve is huge in this thing, uh, and I'm still learning. Like there's, you know, I have a, a help. Uh, my friend of mine, Tom Goldfogel, who uh, we started out like a management thing, and then we kind of eased onto it. Like he's like a mentor, kind of like a or a consultant. And uh, so he's teaching me how to. Like I just had to pay out my first royalties ever the other day, and I like. Wait a minute. I mean, it wasn't nothing. It was like a dollar and twenty-five cent to a company, you know. Uh, you know, so it was like because I haven't made much money selling records yet. But um, it was interesting how you have to do this every quarter. You have to because I'm like I'm used to getting royalties, and I'm paying them out. So now I've learned that. So it's a lot to learn, and I, I'm enjoying learning it. Um, yeah. And I think the benefits of having future income uh, for even when I'm not here anymore for my son and, and maybe he has children, right. that's, that's the payoff of for all of this. So, okay. So, so sorry, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, investigate some of these things because this is all great information. So you, you started your own record label. Yeah, I did start okay. my own record label. And I'm sorry. And you mentioned that earlier. What was the name of it again? It blue velvet soul records. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. And, and that is such a learning curve. It is. <laughs> yeah, I know, because I, my wife and I have done the same thing, but not to the extent that you've done it. Um, wow. So, and then you mentioned that you need radio, and that's another huge thing. Like when you want to get that radio play, you have to hire a, a, a radio campaign manager. Right? Yeah, you do. You do. It's just kind of the that's way it is. How it is. Yeah. You have to hire the people that know how to get to, you know, uh, the right people to, to get your record out there. And also, you know, and another thing, branding is a, uh, you know. I kind of learned that early just by, I think I learned that uh, because I didn't have management, so I kind of started doing stuff that I know for people to recognize me or see me and understand it's just me, that's Mesa. If you see my name written anywhere, it's all in the same font. Or if that's you right. see, you know, all these kind of things, like trying to catch on things. That's why Kitchen Karaoke was important. Right. Um, when I turned 50 years old, uh, that was my 25th year in the music industry as a whole. As a whole. And so I did a 2550 silver and gold celebration where I did, I did my, I went to a photographer, uh, uh, Roy Cossey in Baltimore. I did photography for it. I had, I did, I designed balloons and I, and I had a big, a big party here in Maryland. I produced it myself. I paid for the venue. I paid for the band. I paid for the license sound. I paid for, you know, a, a caterer to feed people. I paid for cupcakes to be made. I did all the merchandise where I bought gifts. I had gift bags for everybody who came in. So, like, you know, so I had to, and I had to do all that stuff, you know, in look, here, in my brain. Look, yo, okay, so let's, no, hold on. Let's unpack this because people have to understand how important this is. And what that's, first of all, that's an amazing accomplishment, okay? Number one. Number two, you're an entrepreneur. When you do that, and that's what I'm trying to teach the younger people, especially, especially if you're going to be an artist, then you are an entrepreneur. So everything that you just said, like all of this information, this is over, like you said, years of experience learning, and then you applied it to yourself. But you said the number one word is branding and consistency. So when every time you see something, it's the same, right? <laughs> yep. Like you said, the font of your name, that's so important. So I just, you know, I want the listeners to understand all these items that you're talking about you know, each one is an integral part. You made cupcakes, you made balloons. They were all branded according to your, you know what I'm saying? Wow. Now, did you record that party? 
Did you do a video um, recording or audio? Of, we didn't do a DVD. We did audio, an okay. audio recording of some of it. Yeah, but I, I wasn't okay. happy with it, so I didn't put oh, it okay. out. Yeah. I think the first thing I did, like um, my first live album. Another thing that I, we know, and then I also did, um, and also to help brand myself. So I had an album called Back to Love. So at the same time, I was, uh, I wanted to. I've always wanted to design my own fragrances. So I called a company. And I researched some research and I called a company. I said, I want to design my own fragrance. How do I get started? And they told me, well, I don't know what your, you know, what your budget is, but with this company, the, the minimum bottle count is 25,000 bottles. Okay. And I was like, okay, I can't afford that. So <laughs> let me just, so, so they gave me a name of a lady in Florida who did maybe, actually I could do a thousand bottles of perfume or cologne at, you know, and she'll take that order. So I, she sent me the, all the notes and, I, and, I, and all the little scents and I mixed them together. I remember sitting in my living room, like mixing all the scents together to see if I like that. And I finally got the scents that I like together and I made a cologne called Unforgettable Man and a perfume called Back to Love for women. And uh, um, so when we were making the record, I wrote a song called Unforgettable and I had the song called Back to Love. So those songs, I would advertise, that would help me with the commercials, little commercials I made for the cologne, the perfume. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. That is full-on entrepreneurship. Like, to the tilt. Amazing. And it all supports your music brand. Right, absolutely. So then what So then, what happened with that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so then I did that. So, but before then, um, I did, and this is all Walter Beasley's, uh, you know, encouragement, for my first live album, I mean, even my album cover on the first live album is a selfie. I just, I just saw a picture in the magazine I liked, and I just kind of recreated the picture. And then I made that for the live album. And then I, um, you know, uh, at the last, I had, you know, this is how one thing, I had people that I was working with to get investors to help me pay for the album. And they fell out a week before the um, live show. Yeah. Damn, so tough. So that was, that was a hard pill to swallow. And I just was determined to do it. So a friend of mine uh, gave me a loan and I was able to pay the loan back by working throughout the next year and just paying them a little back, you know, every, every show or something I did or yeah. so every month. But yeah, so I, I finished the live, first live album. That's what I just uploaded on my record label. I'm so excited. It's fine. That's one of the first things I uploaded on my, my label is my, um, my live album. Live at Birchmere. Yeah. Live at the Birchmere. Yeah. Yep. I would say we've played that venue a million times. So all of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so cool. Oh, that's so awesome. And, and by the way, kudos to you on your website. It's super oh, slick. Thank you, honey. Oh, really thank nice. you. <laughs> Set up nice so that way, um, just so the listeners know, when you go to your, her website, it's just um, mesa.com, M-A-Y-S-A.com. And you scroll down and it has the music and it has this live album and some other stuff, but it has all of the streaming platforms. You just click on it and it plays it right there immediately. So yep. see, that's that's business sense right there. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, try to put it all together. Wow. Well, you did a, you're doing an amazing job. You did a, a huge, successful job with all of these projects. I can't wait to see what's next. Um, Thank you, Andy. So you mentioned that you are working on an album currently? or okay. 14th, 14th solo album. Wow. Yeah. It's called Music for Your Soul. And nice. it's uh, a mixture of spiritual, uplifting uh, music, some dance. Of course, all, but that's the theme. Uh, love has a lot to play into this album. Um, a positive slant. You know, I've I've sung the song "Deep Waters," which was a song that yeah. for a broken heart, for a broken heart for many years. But I kind of want to change this whole thing. I think because I know spiritually, what you speak about the most comes to you. And mm. so I've been speaking a lot about, oh, he did me wrong, and I can't find the right man. And I, I don't want to talk about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's I want right. to talk about the, the man. Yeah, I want go. to talk about the man that's coming to me. That I think that might have something to do with why I've been single for a long time. So I'm going to talk about you know the good parts of love again and and how it feels to be in love and all that kind of stuff. And um, that's awesome. So that, that has something to do with the next album too. That's beautiful. All right. Well, and this is great. So this is a great segue. You're, you've been sharing with us your your principles and methods all the all along, and you just said it you know, spiritually what you focus on and what you talk about, that tends to come to you, you know. Uh, can you expound on that? It sounds like that's, that's at the core of your values. Yeah, I've been a student of the law of attraction for a long time and creative visualization uh, and, and those things, teachings, um, you know, from, from my most understanding of when the Bible says, 
you know, people say I'm not a I'm not a Bible person. I'm not a church girl, but I know spiritually I was raised. Uh, my parents raised me to love God and to love people, and that's it. That's all you're supposed to do. And um, so uh, when I, you know, my thoughts is that Jesus was trying. God was trying to teach us that if, if God created the world by just talking about it and thinking about it, said this is going to happen. That let there be light, and all, then there was light. I mean, that I think it's children of God. We have the same powers. We get, I think we can do the same thing. And so I noticed that um, when I, that's, that's, I got a song called Inside My Dream. And uh, it was a, from my parents who were in heaven. They came to me in a dream. They told me to stop worrying about stuff. They wanted me to focus on the things that I wanted and the things that I, I needed to happen and push out of my mind negativity, push out of my mind that doubt, push out of my mind that it's not going to happen, push out of my mind any kind of things like that. And so when I started that, when I started doing that even more in my life, um, great things started happening. Like I got my first Grammy nomination and, and all these things that I always wanted, you know, started happening, you know, the, the record labels here now, the different things, you know, and not, nothing is without struggle, but, but, you know, and I got the Soul Train Awards. And I was just going to say you got that Soul Train Award too. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. First, the first uh, Soul Train, uh, the first uh, award they gave for, um, it's called, oh gosh, this um, went out of my brain. Oh, I just had it. I just had it. I'll find it. Yeah, yeah, uh, The Centric Award. Centric Award. Centric Award. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yes, I got yes, the first, the first one they ever gave out was in 2009. I was the recipient of that. Wow. So, you know, so things are, you know, um, things are, I just know that's the real deal. So I teach my son. I teach all the kids in my family to speak what you want and try to the, your, do your best to ignore and to keep out of your mind the things that you don't want. That's right. Uh, and so that's, and I think it's a, it's an easier life. And I know I've gotten peace from it. I, you know, when I turned 50 years old, I decided I was going to be happy for the rest of my life. And that's, seems like every day is getting better and better. <laughs> it's not without drama. There's some drama still, yeah. but I don't have, like, I don't, I don't create drama. I don't bring drama. And so, um, that's, that's why I think it's the easiest way to have a life. It's not just drama. I just, I, I can't do it. Uh, you know, I just turned 48 a couple months ago, or back in June, and I, I think, well, no, I hit the same, I hit the same point. I'm like, you know what? The happiness is all, it's all here inside my yes. head. It's inside me. I can decide. Yes. And, and the thing is, we have to decide every day. No. Because, like I said, especially as artists, we're susceptible to a. I feel like, and kind of like what you're talking about, and so cool law of attraction and everything speaking i feel like we're so susceptible to a spiritual level of stuff yes as artists oh yeah oh <laughs> yeah we're we have to, right because we have to connect with the muse all the time if we don't connect with the muse we can't be creative right so that's a that's our direct connect and and when you're open like that i think we're vulnerable oh yeah you know, absolutely perhaps more so that's how a lot of people get in a lot of people, they, and a lot of people, you know, who are not so good at heart, they know that's the way to get in. That's why they try to yeah. tell you. you know, like I got people who tell me, you know, my whole life, my whole career, oh, if all of you were skinny, if only you were this size, yeah. if only you were lighter, if only you had this. You know, they've told me that my whole life. So I think um, the way I survived so long in the music industry is because I was able to, I think part of me is being stubborn. And yeah. saying, like, I don't care what size I am, I'm going to sing, and yes. you can't stop me, and people are still going to listen to me. And that, that was just always in my mind. Yes. Um, and I think the other thing is that, you know, like, and I never, you know, let like the kids come today, they think they got to do crazy stuff to be noticed in the industry. They got to show their behinds, or they got to get big behinds. They got to get, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. all this kind of crazy stuff. Yeah. They got to do these things. I feel, I feel so sorry for them. Like, that's not, you don't have to do that. Right. Right. You don't have to do that. And I, I just think if you, you know, if I could teach that, I would, I would love to talk to any, I would mentor anybody to come up to tell them, you know, exactly. It's hard to get in this industry, but it's, it's also easier today with the technology and with the way things are to get in it. So with true. all your, all your morals intact and all your heart and your body and everything, you don't have to use your body for anything to get in, in the right. music industry, any, any kind of industry. So except for those industries that use your body. 
Right. <laughs> Unless you're an athlete, that's different. <laughs> we'll keep it nice and clean. PG. Yeah, keep <laughs> so, so that's the, those are the best words of wisdom. Thank you so much. Um, it's so cool. I love to wrap up each episode with just like a list of rapid fire questions that are fun, lighthearted. Okay. All right. So you ready? Uh-huh. Uh huh. I don't want you to think about it. I just want you to blurt out the first thing. Okay. Oh gosh. All right. <laughs> Your favorite food. Italian. Oh, favorite libation or drink? Favorite. Uh, yeah. Salt, salt, uh, sparkling water. Sparkling water. Okay. Do you do you ever drink uh, you know alcoholic beverages on occasion? Or uh, no? Sometimes, um, I, I, if I do, it's Bailey's and cream, like Bailey's on nice. ice with a lot of milk in it. Ah, that's my go. that's my go to. <laughs> uh, that's a nice sweet. It's like an iced hot chocolate. This, yeah. <laughs> favorite sport, if you like to watch or play anything. Football. 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 Nice, nice, nice. Mm -hmm. How do you spend your free time, assuming you have any? <laughs> okay. Uh, watching TV. I love the Walking Dead television show. Nice. Walking Dead on HGTV. Those are nice. two things that I'm always on one of them. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And do you prefer to be, do you prefer to drive yourself or be driven? Drive. Uh -huh. What activities do you enjoy on those long flights? Sleeping. Yeah, see, I had a feeling. <laughs> uh, what's the last song, band, or artist that you listened to that you had nothing to do with, that you weren't involved with? I'm a group called L.E. It's uh, Eric Seats. Eric, jump my name, Eric Seats. I love Seats. Come on. <laughs> Seats is awesome. Yeah. yeah. I got to get them on the show. Okay. L.E., they're fantastic. They're my new go-to uh, that I love right now. Awesome. And I usually ask favorite TV show, but you just said that Walking Dead. Yep. Uh, uh, shopping. Do you prefer online or brick and mortar? Brick and mortar all the time. Yeah, nice. <laughs> and uh, you've collaborated with so many great musicians and artists such as yourself included. But if you had a dream collaboration, who would it be? Ooh. Dream collaboration. I Well, as an artist, I, I would love to... Um, I would love to sing a song with Shaka Khan. Shaka. Yeah, that would be great. That would be great. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would love that. Wow, that's <laughs> awesome. And finally, what would you do if you weren't a career musician? I'll be teaching elementary school or preschool. That's teach awesome. Little baby. Yeah, I want to. I love little baby kids, and so I would love to teach them with music, maybe. <laughs> but if I had just A B C one two three, I would love to teach that. That's amazing. Wow. Mesa, I am so grateful, so ecstatic that you are here with us. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. And so all of your socials will be here in the episode. Everybody can find you at mesa.com. And cool. you know, you're on Instagram, you're on Facebook, you're on YouTube. Mm -hmm. okay. and all of, it's a link, all the links are in my, on the website at the bottom. Yep. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you Thanks, so buddy. much. Thank you, honey. And we'll see you soon. Okay, babe. Take it easy. The Career Musician Podcast is a member of the Pantheon Podcast Network, the first all-music-based podcast collective. For more info, visit pantheonpodcasts.com. In the music industry, there are so many avenues to travel. Join host Nomad as he dives into the crazy world of entertainment, going behind the scenes to gain insider knowledge of how to maintain a healthy career in the music business. Help us continue to provide you with new and engaging content by getting our ratings up. Please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you've enjoyed today's interview, be sure to leave a review and subscribe to the Career Musician Podcast. I'm just a nomad, nowhere man Writing the songs in this one-man band I know man
Hey, this is Nomad, host and creator of the Career Musician Podcast, and I am thoroughly stoked to be an official member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Pantheon Podcast Network is the first of its kind as an all-music-based podcast collective. Please be sure to check us out at pantheonpodcast.com for more info. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only. Right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.